Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fan with the Fan Bite Podcast. It's September fourth, two thousand nineteen, and do you, you smell that? Do you smell that? Do you guys smell that? It's the smell. It ain't. It's not the rock. It's the CDs. It's the crystal discs. It's the uh, <laughs> discs that you. The crystal disc. Uh, that you put into your console because that is the smell of new video games. They're out, baby. Ah. We haven't had shit to talk about in like the last three straight weeks. Yeah. Um, not that we've been we on podcasts for this. We talked a lot about the Matrix. There was and that the extended Star Wars universe. Uh huh. There's a lot. There's a and, lot happening. And I did. I will say, you know, I Nikki, I wasn't. I didn't know you were going to be on this podcast this week uh, or not. I wasn't sure if you were taking time off too. By the way, that's the voice of Nikki Grace, the social media Hi. specialist for uh, Fanbyte.com. We are also joined by John Warren, the editor in chief of Fanbyte.com. My glorious return to fan with uh-huh. the Fanbyte podcast. One of the OGs, one of the original gamers. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's me. I uh, taken it all the way back to 1999 this week, which I'm sure we'll talk about. We will. Uh, we're gonna, we yeah. got that on the list. I got some show notes uh, that I actually yeah. updated for the first time since July. Um, because one of the reasons that I felt the need to is because Merritt's not with us this week because Merritt is taking a vacation because Merritt was, along with Nikki, was in Seattle for PAX West this last week, Mm -hmm. which, uh, listeners of this show know because I spent 30 minutes doing a solo podcast last week where I talked about how many, um, check-in podcasts you guys were going to do and how you guys were going to send me files, um, that I was going to put on the website into the feed and I promised the people. Oh, Steven. Hey, Steven. Hmm? What happened to that? Uh, Can you so, tell me what happened to that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I couldn't possibly come to guess. I can only assume that um, there were technical issues beyond anyone's control. Yeah, um, weird. Hey, were... this is kind of strange. I'm breaking some news here. Nikki has actually shrunk <laughs> to about 10 <laughs> inches tall. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that was possible for a human being to do. Weird. So, yeah. listen, uh-huh. the Airbnb um, is a Faraday cage. Let's get let's get our news beat writers on this. This is pretty pretty major. Yeah, let's get let, let's get Victoria. Victoria Victoria new um AM news reporter for fanbyte.com. I'm just skipping straight to the news section on that one cuz that's that's in there. That's on the show notes. Uh, we should put her in charge of uh, investigating this uh, this scandal of uh, how I was uh, tricked into lying to the people to the fan with listeners where not, when I told them that there would be more content on the feed this week than rather than less uh, when in the, fact the, that was not the case the, it's the case of the missing podcasts and then the intro then then the intro starts of Benedict Cumberbatch doing all of his like Sherlock stuff yeah he's, uh-huh. he's doing the math in his head he's like he's like ooh what's going on with Nikki and Merritt and they're just like eating ramen in a Airbnb in Seattle and they went and they looked at each other and they went ooh should we do this and they go ah uh, I'm tired though mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> That's pretty much Nikki, how it broke down. Nikki is tacitly <laughs> confirming that this is pretty much exactly, exactly what happened here. Which, yeah, which being tired is one thing. We've all been to conventions. We know how bad that can get uh, for people and uh, how the best laid plans of me specifically uh, can just be waylaid publicly and uh, uh, very embarrassingly in front of people. 
but well, let, and let's also let's let's also be fair. The one time that you and Dylan and Ryan and I recorded a podcast <laughs> from a from a uh, convention, I don't think I've ever seen you that visibly angry at just like us, just like talking about stuff that you didn't want to talk about. You could not have wanted to talk about that stuff less than you wanted to. You couldn't wait for that podcast to be over. It it was it was partially that I didn't want to talk about Google Stadia, and it was also partially that I didn't want to talk about Google Stadia for 58 straight minutes without <laughs> taking a breath. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. I, I was going to say, um, you know, in, in fairness, some shit happened last week, too, which we will touch oh on briefly in the news. So, yeah. you know, if there were unfor- there truly were unforeseen circumstances that uh, made lives hard for people. So I get it. I get it. But I just yeah. wanted to address it at the top of this podcast so people knew that I didn't forget that... Uh, <laughs> That that was that, that this, was not me. Merit is this not. This is it. This is this is not on Stephen. No, everyone. Unfortunately, Merit is not here to um, share in the blame. Merit knew I was coming. <laughs> Merit knew uh, the consequences of her actions in a way that Nikki could not foretell, uh-huh. uh, and how badly I was gonna fucking roast you both. <laughs> Speaking of fifty-eight straight minutes of content. Um, <laughs> Merritt did say at at two fifty eight a.m. said I'm gonna duck out and then and then tweeted that four different times. Yeah. Just kidding, she didn't do that. That's that's libelous. Uh, um, how you guys well, doing? Yeah, Stephen. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm a lot better this week. Uh, it's, we're, this is, we're recording this on Wednesday when the podcast will also be going up, but we're recording it a lot earlier in the day too. So I've got a lot more energy. I think I just had a cherry coke zero. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, I got that cherry mm-hmm. Coke Zero energy. Haven't had coffee today. Just the just the cherry Coke. So, uh, by the way, uh, new sponsor this week on Fan with uh, uh, Cherry Coke Zero. <laughs> cherry Coke Zero. Uh, it's actually it's uh, our sponsor is actually Cheerwine. They're very upset about this <laughs> Cherry Coke Zero news. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> th- well, that or it's all just like some kind of like wild sigh. If you haven't heard next week's episode where I talk about how sick the Cherry Coke Zero is eventually going to make me, well, <laughs> uh, Nikki, you can edit all this out, right? Like, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. okay. Cool. I, I, I had a I had a friend who drank so much Code Red in uh, oh, in yeah. high school um, that once one time. One time he drank so much of it, mm-hmm. we were playing Xenogears. And <laughs> Very on brand for John Warren, thank uh-huh. you. And he he drank a lot of Code Red. And mm-hmm. I believe he found out on this day that he was one of those rare people allergic to, I want to say, 40. Red 40. Yeah. And he threw up all of the cherry the the cherry Mountain Dew. Oh no! In my in my bathroom, my childhood bathroom. Oh no! And it and so like at the second we're trying to kill God in Xeno Gears, he <laughs> just starts erupting this red fluid, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, no! See, that's, oh God, that's... all beans. That's bad in two ways because cherry is already disgusting. Coming back up, it must be way worse too. So bad, like, yeah, know, yeah, probably terrible. Uh, anyway, Nikki, Nikki, have you had any refreshing branded beverages that you want to uh, talk about today? Just, uh, just good old H two O Earth brand water. Oh, Nestle's own water. Got it. <laughs> yeah, Nestle's <laughs> own Nestle created water. Uh huh. Um, they they had, in, to, they had to rescue it from the people who were keeping it hostage. They're in the LA River right now, yeah. just scooping it up and putting it in bottles with a like, funnel. Is this anything? Yeah. Oh boy. 
Um, yeah, so that's why that's why it's a slightly different cast this week. But we wanted to, um, you know, let you guys know up ahead of time what was going on. Uh, because John is specifically coming on because he wanted to talk about a game, and I don't see any reason why we can't just jump right into what we've been playing this Let's last week because it's a big section this week. I, at least for me, I don't know what I know. One thing you've been playing, John, Nikki. I assume you haven't been playing much except maybe on a Switch or a telephone. Yes. Uh, or you know, well, oh, whatever. Yeah. You were at PAX. You probably played Hot stuff years. there. Yeah, you did play stuff at PAX. We I didn't talk about that. I mean, listen, I want. I, I don't want to. I want to besmirch the good name of Nikki and Merritt. They actually did post a lot of content yeah. on the oh, site this week yeah. uh, about about what they played, which I I super appreciated. In fact, uh, I, actually, this is we we could totally start with like something that's more substantive, but. Nikki, I want you to explain what Quantum League is, because <laughs> okay. okay, because you and I had a phone conversation about this because you got frustrated that I was like slacking you about it. You were like, I can't, I can't even. And then I was like, because I got your write up, yep. and I read the, I read it, and I'm like, I've been playing video games for 30 years, and I like don't understand what I'm reading. Yeah, it's um okay. So, at PAX, in the Indie Mega booth, there was a booth for a video game called Quantum League, which, when I walked past it, I was like, oh, an arena shooter. Mm -hmm. And then you know how devs stand outside of the booth, and the second you look at their television, oh, I know. they can taste that? I used to, I used to do that. Oh. Like, I, I look, finish your story. I have some no. stories, so yeah. go ahead. No, but yeah, I know um, exactly what you're talking about as well, Nikki. Holy so shit. Yeah. They they looked into my eyes, and I was like, fuck, I have to talk now. Um, I do not mean to say this, uh, because they were the nicest. Mm -hmm. The nicest people. I just have terrible social anxiety. Um, anyway, so I uh, looked at it, and then I was like, wait, why is it resetting? And then I uh, looked at, oh, dang, I don't remember their name, but I looked at the person from the dev team, and I was like, hey, what? What is this? He was like, oh, this is Quantum League. It's a game uh, where the time loop. And I was like, that isn't what? Mm -hmm. He said, every time you die, your clone goes out uh, and plays for you while you control the next person. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. He was like, it'll make more sense when you play it. So I came back two hours later. Uh, Mira and I then played a 1v1. And here is the game. Everyone, are you ready? You got ever does it, everyone park your car? Um, pull yeah, out you your, gotta, pull this out your is a thinker. Or a, pen, a piece of pen and paper, because we're about to go on a journey. Yeah, I'm going to break out my newsy hat. Hold on, I need to put yeah, a yeah, card yeah. in it real quick that says press. <laughs> how else will they know? Um, can we just talk about how, <laughs> if you were wearing one of those hat, one of those hats and had a card in it, that said press, that implies that other people in other professions wore the same hat with other jobs on it that weren't press. <laughs> well, I mean, basketball players wear their headbands everywhere. I say basketball. That, well, it has a little basketball man on them. It has it an NBA 2K20 yeah. um, booster pack card in it that, that it. Uh, gives you a plus 20% better dribbling. If you snap the band against their head, you, you get a 50% chance of getting a better draw. Ah, uh, Beans, we 100% are like two 2Ks away from it actually just being the perks are attached to your clothes. 
we're we're like a year away from Anthony Davis fucking killing you if you don't spend money on this game. Like he's just gonna come out of the TV and be like, "Well, <laughs> sorry." He just wraps his big ass hands around your neck. That that's and chokes the life out of you. That's because, actually that's yeah. going to be the actual result of all this uh, legislation going on. Is it's going to be a bunch of people saying like, "I hear they've got the gambling in the video games," and then we're gonna but everybody's gonna remember. Oh wait, our government is the worst. What they're going to do is outlaw not putting gambling in your video games <laughs> and legalize murdering people who don't spend enough money on it. LeBron James gave me a gun with no background check. <laughs> and like, we have a name like, for this it. This is not what we episode. <laughs> I'm just going to write that down. LeBron James. So, <laughs> so, okay. It's a 1v1 or a 2v2 shooter. And the, I hear what you're saying. That seems pretty easy. You're wrong. We'll uh, just go with a 1v1 uh, for the explanation. I didn't even know about the 2v2. Yeah, I can't fucking imagine. Okay, all right, all right, so go ahead. So the 1v1, you and your opponent go out into the arena. There's a point in the middle. It's just king of the hill. The goal at the end of the match is to have possession of the point. So you go out. You have 20 seconds. You can go around you can just straight shoot your opponent try to kill them that way you can try to rush the point or you can try to set something up because at the end of the 20 seconds the round the round ends you rewind and you start the second round in the second round here we go you have control of yourself there's a second character on your team that is just going to do the same actions that you did the round prior. Yes. Do, and, and those actions still affect the time. world, right? Yes, correct. Oh, so, but it's and only it one, loop. one more time. Okay. Two, oh. yeah. Two loops. Two loops. Two loops, yeah. So they're, at the end, it's 3v3. Yes. Um... There are three uh, people on your team and three people on the other team, even though you've controlled every single right. one. So in theory, you can set stuff up in a way that is like you're pre-firing places where you think people are going to be, if not in the immediate next round, then in the last round. Um, you can also stop yourself from dying mm-hmm. because you can inter- if you are able to identify which of your opponents is going to kill you mm-hmm. or any copy of you, uh, and you kill them before that happens. Back to the future rules. Yeah, it's yeah. back to the future rules, then it's totally Oh, uh, okay. so that like was going to be my next question. Marty McFly yeah. killed Biff. Yeah, like yeah. If, you, if you decide <laughs> to go back and kill your Biff, mm-hmm. you can end up with Leah Thompson, which is, like, which is weird because it's Leah Thompson is your mom. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah. it's weird that they put that entire thing in the game. Yeah, it's but, weird that that's um, the tutorial, but it makes it does make <laughs> sense. It's iconic. It does make sense. Quantum League with Leah Thompson. <laughs> She's like walking you through, walking you through the game. Hi, I'm the star from of Caroline in the City. Welcome to Quantum League. John, John, you can't just say things like that because I already wrote down the podcast title. I can't I'll just erase it and say Quantum Leah Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I think you totally can. We could have many different names for um, for every episode. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll AB um, test LeBron James and Leah Thompson. <laughs> um, 
It, it sounds like, and, and I really got attached to the idea that it's curling. Yes, because, because it's curling. It seemed, it's basically curling. Mm-hmm. You're basically deciding how to get more of you onto this point than your opponent. Yeah. And you basically are playing this weird shuffleboard with bullets mm-hmm. in time. I could not get into to play it. I tried for yeah, 30 minutes. There's not... The beta... It's a very small team. It's like six or eight people out of Buenos Aires. It's very Aires. small demand for the um, beta. Yeah. <laughs> right um, now, unfortunately. I thought, they were, like, I thought they were just giving codes out. Yeah. At, they weren't. They were like signing you up for the next Ooh. phase of the beta. So I think that's what it is. Gotcha. Um, but because we're pressed, they just gave us that's, a that's bunch nice. of codes. Yeah, I, I wanted to play it. So yeah. we, we might still try because I yeah. really like... If, yeah, I want to just try story. something that was this bonkers. Yeah, um, so, I'm the sixth best player in the world, John. <laughs> I'm the sixth player in the world. I believe it. Sixth best player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been better at anything than I am at Quantum League. Leah um, Thompson's Quantum League. Oh God. Stephen, you had a question. Yeah, N- and Nikki, I had a question, and I think you'll understand what I mean. But uh, I'm gonna just uh, give it to you cold here. Does this game is visually is does this look is this a I feel, I in my head have kind of two different visions of like what a game like this is going to look like and it is going to either look like a Fortnite or like like a Quake but 2019 is this Quake or is this Fortnite the only two options for arena shooters in 2019 which is that they're going to look like one of those it's, two things um it's closer to a Fortnite Yep. You know what I would actually say it is? Imagine if Rocket League had people in it. Yep. Which that's is, what it looks like. Hey, It's a Monday Night Combat. Okay, I was going to yes. say, that's what... Did I put that in the piece? <clears throat> what? Did I put that in the piece? Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah, because yeah. it looks exactly like Monday Night Combat. Yeah. Which is... Um, a which game is... that I didn't know was real. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought about it, and I was like... Game's already. Oh, yeah, I did play that game. Yeah. Game it was, was okay. Right. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Um, which also, though, Monday Night Combat... Basically, just looks like a Fortnite. Fortnite just kind of took Monday Night Combat Fortnite, and then, wow, Damn. yeah, and then Epic. put it outside. <laughs> Fortnite <laughs> just still stole from everybody. They stole from all the big hits: Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Monday Night Combat, <laughs> Clive Barker's Undying, Ready Player One. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that's it. There's a there's a desync mechanic that I don't understand. Because if you get I think that's why I called you. Yeah. I couldn't get that. My understanding is that if you get killed before the end of the round, something happens. Honestly, I don't know. I think it gives you it gives you a window wherein you can attempt to stop that that is in the same round. I see, I don't get that. Me I was about to like meet you halfway, yeah. and then you finished your sentence, and I was like, "Oh no, yeah. nope." I that's can't. the part. That's the part that I don't get. Okay. Um. Anyway, it's coming out per- on personal computers sometime next year, and they said that uh, depending on how things go, they'll try to get it on console. It's a team from Buenos Aires. Yeah. Oh. I lived there for three years. That is legitimately still the wildest thing you've ever told me. Yeah. Um, and you say kill them all, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, that's the right. Is that that's not the right city? Is I don't it? know what that is. 
Well, Wait, it's from a what? movie that came up before you were born, Nikki. Uh, oh. Starship Troopers? Movies. Where's Johnny Green oh, come from? Oh, yeah! Oh, my God, yes, no. In fact, the, uh, the, the uh, school that they used... Uh, for the Buenos Aires scene looks a, an awful lot like the school I actually went to. Jesus, that's great. Yeah, that's a cool yeah, looking school, really honestly. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so I completely like did not. I missed. I missed the joke, mm-hmm. and I was just waiting for Stephen to be very racist toward Argentines. <laughs> oh God! For some, for some reason, no. I was just like, well, you know, I mean, you know, okay. The dirty war was bad, but I think they've learned. From, from the problems. I was, no, um, no, I was of course, thinking of the more important conflict, the bug war. Uh, yeah, no, war. no, it, uh, deeply important, yes. So, Nikki, yeah, there's you're, a movie you're called talking about, You're talking about real stuff like Casper Van Dien kind of, kind of work. Yeah, yeah. speaking yeah. of stolen uh, valor, uh, Casper Van Dien's <laughs> uh, accusations towards Halo for just ripping off Starship Troopers. Uh, please, awesome. everybody go look that uh-huh. up one day. It's a very funny video. Yeah, um, very good. Yeah. Nikki, there was a movie that came out. It was Starship Troopers. They fought some bugs. The guy was from Buenos Aires, and he says, I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, the, that's the gag. It's very good. It's a good movie. Um, speaking of Halo. Oh, yeah. You, you know the guy that made Halo? <laughs> yeah, the one no, man the, who no, made he Halo. Did, sorry. Sorry. No, it's the he man didn't make Halo. Made he in, Master Chief. He invented Master Chief. <laughs> the, okay, here's my he, favorite thing. He plucked a rib. Straight <laughs> from straight, out of straight the from Mario, straight from Mario, uh-huh. and took um, Mario is, is Mario is actually like people think it's Doom guy. It's actually uh, it's please. Like, have you have you seen how floaty fucking Master Chief is? That guy's got hops. Um, like, of course, I was going to say actually, John. Um, please do not uh, besmirch the and and try to erase the legacy of Pitfall Harry. <laughs> it's pitfall Harry. It's pitfall Harry in a fucking helmet. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, but the guy that invented um, Master Chief and instructed him with flesh and blood. My favorite thing is that the trailer we watched during Gamescom yeah. said Halo. Mm-hmm. The meeting that we took. <laughs> It was the guy that created Master Chief. The press release received <laughs> said the guy that co-created Master Chief. <laughs> no, no, it's like in a week. We're like a week away from the guy that voiced the grunt. Oh my god! He, he looked at Master Chief once. Um, it's like yeah, it's the video he... game development equivalent of corn cobbing. He's just slowly <laughs> shrinking. Oh Pac- my God. God, by the time Pax Australia rolls around, he's just going to be a, he's going to be a pixel. He's just going yeah. to be like a, the pong, like the man himself will just be a pong paddle. Yeah, from the guy who lost his job playing too much Halo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, that's this game looked cool. This game did look pretty cool to me personally. Well, Steve and I have some news. Oh no, I played Disintegration, um, a game that when we were watching it at Gamescom. We were like, oh, 2K is making a Destiny. Or Private Division is publishing yeah. a Destiny. Yeah. Which Private Division, um, for folks who don't know, is a part of 2K, right? They're like a... Right. They're like a... They're like an indie label yeah. for 2K. Yeah, kind of. 2K. Yeah. Yeah, there's like like a, du- like a double A. Yeah. They're like a go. double A. They're a double publisher. A publisher. They're, they're a new They would have published Evolve. Yeah. yeah they they're a new midway. That's a good, that's a good way. Yeah. That's a good way to describe The midway it. is the good way. Mm-hmm. The midway is the good way. <laughs> um... 
So it looks like a halo. Uh, it's not. It's a... It's a full-spectrum warrior, it looked like. To also quote another thing that you are too young to remember. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to need to grab another reference for our boy Nikki here. <laughs> it, uh, so, so Nikki, there was a game called Full Spectrum uh-huh. Warrior. Uh, and in it, they're from Buenos Aires. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Why don't no, you just describe what it was like? Okay, so it looks like a Destiny. Um, because you go out, or at least in the trailer, it looks like you're with three other people mm-hmm. on basically big sparrows mm-hmm. um, that are actually called graph On a farm. On a farm. That's all, what it always looked like to me. It's yeah. Just, you're, you're prepping for the farmer's market. It, well, it, okay. it looks like that, that game that's like <laughs> takes place in like Swedish uh, suburbs in like rural Sweden, uh, Generation Zero, that came out earlier this year. Remember yes. that? Where you fight sure. robots? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember mm-hmm. that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was describing, I was attempting to describe the game to my friend last night, and that's what he said it reminded him of. Mm. Um, so... Okay, so there's also just, there's a single player that I assume is co-op, and then there's a 5v5 multiplayer mode just like Call of Duty or whatever. Um, There's no shared world MMO Destiny style, any of that. It's just a single player in an arena multiplayer shooter. It's it's like, somewhat like Halo, one might say, like a multiplayer Halo Halo experience. Um... Except the shooting feels bad, the movement feels bad, um, it's fucking inscrutable. Like, I, you sent me some screenshots it that is, I couldn't pick out a single piece of, like, action in it. It is impossible to see anything on that It screen. was like a magic eye. It was weird. <laughs> so, okay, they, you're always in the grab bike. My understanding from watching the trailer was like, ah, oh, cool, you've got uh, sparrows. And then you can get out of the sparrow and use your gun on your feet. This is not true. You're always in the sparrow. It's like Titanfall, except you're always in the Titan, and the Titan um, is too big for all of the spaces in the map that they've designed. Oh my god. Which, that There's... leads to the part of this that is like full-spectrum warrior, right? Because you're like controlling units. yeah. So there's, okay, so yeah, so there's also an RTS, like, duct taped to the first person shooter part of this game, where you press the, each class has their own set of units, um, and then they go out and do stuff on the ground. They play the video game while you're up here in the sky pressing the button so they can play the video game. Um... And, like, each... So, like, I was playing Tech Noir, which is, like, the support class. And I had a group of snipers. I had a group of rangers, which I think just had guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and a third class, and I'm forgetting. Um, but I think they were, like, they were... They, like, gave status effects to the enemies. Um, and then I had an ability that was a slow field that was literally just, you know, the thing in Anthem where if you're the storm character no no, no well, like nobody you know I, you need to back off of that reference yeah. you know that thing from anthem you know you know the how, in-game you, know you how, played that game right until the end okay listen so you know how in anthem they're all from buenos aires so <laughs> welcome to tardis in the heart of buenos aires 
but so this is actually the this is the thing that like really stood out to me being like as super weird and why I like originally thought the game kind of looked cool because you say like class based shooter and you're in like a hover bike and I saw that trailer mm-hmm. and this is the this was the turn for me watching the trailer for like uh like live while you guys were at the actual show was like oh interesting so like this class is gonna be like he's a guy who's up in a hover bike and then any second now the right. camera is going to like swoop down to this big robot exactly. guy and you're gonna control him and then it's gonna swoop over to this person this like you know assassin lady or whatever but then like that just never happened they were just always in the grav bike and i was like are they just not showing the other stuff yet and then you came back later and we're like no you're just always on the grav bike and i'm like you're always on the grav bike and the grav bikes are huge Uh, okay i need to preface this this game's not done it's in alpha um is what they said to me but having been on the other side of um making a video game Alpha is a fake term. <laughs> that game is closer to coming out yeah. than they want to say. Yeah. Um, and there's, from what I played, there is some stuff that is not going to get fixed, quote unquote, or yeah. what I would like to be changed hmm. um, by the game, the time the game comes out in 2020. Um, Known shippables include the shooting is yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, the shooting, not good. Might be, okay, I can't decide whether or not the shooting is the worst part. Because there is no feedback. You are... You're pressing the trigger, and the only reason I know that I'm shooting Mm. is because I can feel the trigger bottom out on the controller. Mm. There's no, like, visual confirmation, because there's a million things happening on this screen. There's no audio confirmation, because there's a million fucking explosions happening (laughs) below you. Um, And then there's also constant chatter. Like, it... It's so hard to understand. Also, the viewport, like the thing that you're looking through, you lose legitimately 33% of the screen because the front of the grav bike is just in your field of view. It's it's not even like internal stuff that's like showing you like, ah, yeah, like here's HUD or here's some like cool stuff. You're like looking at the front of your fucking pod racer. So you sent another screen cap that I thought was maybe a cutscene? But no, it's that was like the, the real game. view. Yes. Ooh. You what? can just see the front. It is so wild to me. That's like if a Forza game is like, look at the hood. Just look at the hood. Yeah, it is. Look it at the hood. Exactly look at the hood. Like look at the hood. Can I see the road? No. Look at the hood. Look at the hood. We modeled this hood, and you're gonna look at it. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna fuck look it. at. You're gonna it. fuck the hood. You. you, you what? Yeah, listen, you're the one that painted a Firebird on it. You want to look at it. You, you, know? you imported a JPEG of a pot leaf, and you're going to look at the... <laughs> you're going to look at that goddamn pot you're gonna leaf. You're going to look at it. Um, it. The grav bikes are, like I said, they're very big. The ceiling on the map that we played is too low, and the floor is too high. So you're constant... You know Flappy Bird? Wait, is that how floors work? Yes. <laughs> you know Flappy Bird? Yeah, I'm familiar. You know Flappy Bird. Where you're just constantly kind of swimming yeah. because you're, you're like, oh, no. well, in Flappy Bird you're trying to not hit things. Yeah. But that's basically what you're doing so in this. So you're telling me that Private Division is making a uh, Smuggler's Run <laughs> at, at Star Wars Simulator. Because that's basically what that sounds like. Sean? That is exactly what it feels like. Why? That's not good. No, 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 no. It is That's not, not a good, good thing. But, <clears throat> you know, you, you, uh, okay, this all sounds like it's really bad, like, in the just moment-to-moment, like, 
playing of mm-hmm. it and stuff like that, but there is something about this, just having seen the game and, like, having you describe this and Quantum League, and just a lot of the stuff that I saw out of that, like, Game Awards opening night thing, where it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't probably want to play this game, I don't think I probably will if it's as bad as it sounds like, but, like, you know what, I do have this, like, kind of internal feeling of just, like, God bless them for just, like... Yeah, they are trying your shit. shit. Yeah, like... No, like, I, I really, I actually really like what Private Division is doing. Yeah. I think they're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, their most high-profile thing right now is Outer Worlds, which, like, I'm pretty excited about. It comes out in about a month and a half. Um, and then, obviously, like, Herbal Space Program 2 and, like, some of the other stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I when, when this got announced via press release... It was embargoed at the time, and it heavily implied when I read it that it was very just like, oh, this is a Halo. It's a Halo. And I was kind of like, okay, fuck, whatever. It's a Halo that Private Division is making neat. And then when I saw that it wasn't that, that is cool Mm -hmm. that it's not that. But what it is seems... Not cool. Half-baked. I will say, uh, when you do emotes... They're just big fucking emoji, and they project out in front of you, and they're ten feet tall, uh, and you can't see through them. Oh, which you is can't see I think that's, just that's fucking hilarious. That's really good. Them, cannot see through them. I want so badly to now see this game from the perspective of the enemies that are being drilled down at this farm, and just see a guy in a hover bike being like, "Wow, this smiley face is smoking a big duper." <laughs> What is that? As you get oh, get you imported a JPEG bullets. of a pot leaf. <laughs> <laughs> That's T Pain. Um, That's not even Bob Marley. <laughs> you don't even know who this is. Um, uh, I don't wait, know. When, when you say it's projected, hold on. I want to zero in on oh, this yeah. real little bit. When you say it's projected, mm-hmm. do you mean like you put it, you like project it into the world and it stays stationary, or you project it and yeah, it's like imagine, stuck on the front of your ship? Imagine if the holograms from Star Wars were green and were floating in front of your face and were 10 feet tall but the, but they do they stay where you place them do you place them in the world oh or no no they're attached to your ship <laughs> <laughs> so you're moving through the world and it's attached to your ship until the animation is over why though <laughs> Um, because I, I my immediate know. because no. my immediate first thought was like if you could just put that in the world it's like oh man I bet that actually leads that to some like good. really good well, like competitive stuff where you can like blind your opponents with just like yeah. a big fucking like <laughs> I, big dog. <laughs> I watched I watched Minority Report the other day mm-hmm. and like you know we're not that far from mm-hmm. that future <laughs> and but they didn't even make the future as stupid as it probably will be <laughs> like you know. Like most of it's just like welcome to the gap, John yeah. Anderton. But instead, it's gonna be like the gap shooting a goddamn like <laughs> like a, a flossing corgi, yeah. like um, uh, directly into know. your eyes without your yeah, yeah. yeah. you've given them pers- permission because of new laws. You've given them permission explicitly <laughs> at the minute you walk into the building. Your chip has smoke been weed every day, John Anderson. <laughs> yeah, they immediately just get hacked as well. But it wouldn't be weed because weed is just going to be like legal by that point. <laughs> and it'd have to be something like way more heinous <laughs> that like somebody puts in instead. Oh boy! I think that's it for disintegration. It, it was so strange because I thought that game was four different things mm. coming into it. Mm-hmm. And then the it's thing I walked away from nothing. was none of those four things. So that's coming out in 2020. 
we'll see. I'm bummed out that it doesn't sound good because I, I wanted yeah. that to be good. Because I want more games like this. Not that maybe not necessarily this specific game, but I want more things that are like just doing weird shit that nobody does anymore yeah. or hasn't for like 10, 15 years. I want those to succeed yeah. and be good, at least be interesting and be fun. Yeah. Um, I would like that. Yeah. Do you got anything else from Pax you want to talk about, or should we move on to John? Tunic is. I'll just go real quick. Tunic is good. Um, that's yeah, how, how did you ask them how mad they are? You know what? You didn't because they were having a really bad week. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah, we'll get to that too. Um, did you ask them how bummed they are that Link's Awakening was announced because it I, looks very similar yeah. to the new Link's Awakening? I wish I had. Yeah. They're probably not in the mood yeah. to receive that question. Um, but, but that uh, game also, yeah, still doesn't have a date. Yeah. So, I mean, it could come out in February and well, we've passed the... Overland has been in development for... Overland does for have a date. 68 and a yeah. half years. <laughs> Overland is... does come out next week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, d- that does um, have a release date now. I played that. Um, that's an XCOM. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, and it, I It has was been like, for many years. Yeah. And I was... <laughs> I started the demo and I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then like 10 minutes went by and I was like, oh, I, I get this. Yeah. I need to go to a different thing now. Yeah. So I uh-huh. killed myself as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and then went yeah. to my next meeting. Yeah. Um, you left your dog a, behind. A rag on the game, but... Uh, <laughs> but Tunic is good? Tunic is good. Uh, it feels very good. Yeah. The the roll in that game, like the dodge roll, mm. ooh, tasty. Cute. Mm. Um, we played that... What is that game called? Best Friends Forever? It's the dog dating game. Um, oh. oh, yeah. You talked about it on, yeah. on uh, Late Lunch on Friday. Yeah, that feels like um, Dream Daddy with dogs. Um, oh. The opening quiz is very funny. Uh, the hard thing with those games is, like, can you keep that up well, that's what, the course? That's what Mira was saying. Yeah. Uh, that's what both of you were saying, is that it's, like, legitimately funny, which yeah. I think is, hard. you know, it's it's tough. Yeah. Uh, um, not to be one of those, like, people, but I am kind of one of those people that's like, I don't, I don't know if uh, games were funny ever. And I, so when one is funny, well, I'm what like, about Borderlands? Oh, wow. Have you played Borderlands? Oh, my I have played Borderlands. Have you heard of the character Tiny Tina? Very funny. Very um, good jokes they constantly. Made, they've also made a South Park game. They did. Which they the did. two of them. Yeah. It's called Fractured <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to just to peel back away from that real quick, um, okay. as quickly as possible, uh, I do want to say I do feel like uh, maybe this is just me, but I feel like a lot there's like a, been a rash of like very funny visual novels specifically, and I wonder if that's just like mm. a like a thing where it's like you can much t- more tightly control the pacing in a visual novel because it's all just basically written and and spoken dialogue. Yeah, well, and I also, and this is, oh boy, I'm about to get into like weird philosophical territory, but but I also feel like the folks that make visual novels are working with a lived experience and resources Mm -hmm. that are definitely more in tune with... I think actually things that are funny. Yeah, like I think they are more in touch with the realities of the world, which usually makes for a better comedian mm-hmm. uh, than the people that have massive budgets and, like, a big licensing project and blah, 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 blah. And have to it's answer like, to a publisher who's, like, telling them, like, you know, you right. have to reach yeah. the lowest common denominator. I, yeah. I specifically, like, one of, I think, my favorite visual novels of all time is this, like, just super tiny thing called uh, Butterfly Soup by Brianna Lee, is her name? Oh, okay. One of the last things I did, wrote for uh, Ready Set back in the day was uh, writing about that. And Oh, my, Ready Set. 
or I think it was Ready Set. It might have even still been Zam.com at that point. Oh my um, goodness! But uh, yeah, that was uh, that's like a. And to your point, that is a game ab- uh, about queer Asian American girls in high school in the nineties. Um, yeah, falling exactly. In love, I mean, you know, okay, it, it comes from a very specific lived experience, probably. Right. And so. Um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, just letting you know that Nikki has searched readyset.com, I guess, not realizing that that so, used to just be us. I know, I thought it would okay. redirect. Oh, okay, no, it doesn't we just, redirect. We didn't we just, keep that URL. We canned it, no. Okay. Yeah. They can buy it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think you know, it's, it, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, because, I mean, I think some double-A AA and triple-A developers probably do have, like, a very keen sense of humor, but I also, you know, to your point, I think a lot of those bigger games are answering to market research or executives, uh, most likely the latter, uh, that make, you know, terrible decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I think that's it, really. I played with the Playdate. Everything is cute. Oh, yeah. I saw your little, little yeah. social video with the crank. Yeah. Couldn't figure the game out at all, but... I don't know. I want yeah. one. It feels real good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. yeah. Hopefully that, we get some in here. That thing, for, for, that would be cool. Yeah, for folks who don't know, the Playdate is like this, like, basically bespoke video game hardware that's like this, like, $100 thing, $150 yeah. thing, uh, that has, like, a crank on it, and it's like a, it's like an original Game Boy, but, like, yeah, it, it the, the hardware is specifically designed for, like, six games that they are going to be releasing mm-hmm. for it, or, like, 12 games or something like that. I yeah, think. and then, the, in theory, there's gonna be, like, Season 2 is gonna mm-hmm. be another $100 with a different, like, non-conventional control input. Right. And I, um, I, I think the, the non-conventional control thing, specifically, is the thing that, to me, makes that thing feel like it has, like, an intentional built-in expiration date. They're not going out there like the Ouya did, where the Ouya was like, no, we're going to be a new console that's going to compete with PlayStation and Microsoft and Nintendo or whatever. It's like, no, their thing is like, no, this is a toy that you play these, you know, 12 games on, like, and you experience it like you would experience a season of television, and then you move on. Because we're going to have another yeah. one for you that you can pay 150 bucks for. Yep. Yeah, I mean, my, my big, you know, I lived through the era of, like, Tiger Electronics in the <laughs> early 90s, where, you know, they were releasing these, like, you know, small, dedicated handheld devices that yeah. would play maybe one or one to three games. And I had a Spider-Man know, game on that sucker. Yeah. And, you know, there was something charming about that, but as an adult, I'm kind of like, well, I wouldn't play that instead of any of this. So hopefully, like... You know the pedigree of the developers are working with um you know kind of like you know actually creates like interesting content that you can't find anywhere else mm-hmm. so yeah. and they've got the uh the, i think the one big name that i've seen i'm sure there's others that i just don't know as well and or haven't looked up but uh the creator of uh katamari damasi is doing a game for it yes for this first yes. season so it's not like they're i think yeah. i think derek Yu is also doing a game the <laughs> spelunky dude uh-huh i'm like pretty sure I might be making that up. Uh, well, it's I, impossible to check. I, yeah, there's no way to know. Um, I believe it, though, because that dude seems like he's just working on six million different things. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if he'll be done in time for the release of the play date because uh, they just, just we didn't we haven't talked about this on the podcast previously, but they did just uh, delay Splunky 2 a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, and also there's that UFO 50 thing that he's working on that I just feel like dropped off the face of the earth at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, which wasn't that supposed to be out this year, or did that not mm-hmm. have a release date? I think it was supposed to be out this year. Mm, okay. 
back. There was I, uh, this might be that game. I'm not entirely sure, but UFO 50. Like I think it might be because there was one game that was like got announced like last year and it had a release date of last year. And if you go to the official website right now, it still just says coming 2018. Um, oh. And I, so it's real soon. Yeah, you know <laughs> we're right on the cusp. Uh, and I think it might be UFO 50, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. John, yeah, that was uh, oh. that was Pax. What y'all got? John, we're gonna we're gonna go straight to John here, I think, because he specifically wanted to come onto this podcast to talk about a very specific game, and I want to hear about this very specific game, having not had a ton of experience with it personally. Have you heard about the Final Fantasy series? Have you heard the good no. word of Squall Leonhardt? What's that? I cannot. Okay. Yeah. What's up? Squall. 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 Well, yeah. it was Cloud. The episode before it, and then a few episodes, mm. you know, a few yeah, versions yeah. later, they had lightning. So cloud, squall, yeah. lightning, that famous storm pattern, Zidane. Um, Tidus, no, which uh, is kind of T- like... Tidus, which is kind of like Tide, yeah. Um, yeah. Vaughn, Sora, which is... Uh, no, no, no. Don't even <laughs> bring the Kingdom Hearts family into this. This is not Listen, related. John, the Kingdom Hearts family is the Final Fantasy family. <laughs> well, Squall is deeply entrenched in both. That's true. Um, is he David Boreanaz, or is he the other one? Squall. Wait. Oh, boy. I actually don't know the answer to this. Off the it's, like, it's like Lance Bass and... No, Lance Bass is Sephiroth. And... Lance Bass is Sephiroth, which is... The fucking coolest, if I'm honest. <laughs> the fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna give you despair. Uh, that famous Lance Bass lyric. Um, he has a gift for you. For all my Advent children heads out there, I know how much you guys all love the, to quote that one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's David Boreanaz and some other guy. There was like one played Squall and one played Cloud, but the, I forget who the other one is. But they interact in like. Kingdom Hearts 2 at some point. I'm pretty sure in Kingdom Hearts 3 they just, like, never, like, there's, like, no Final Fantasy left in for Kingdom Hearts 3 at that point. Anyway, mm. this is meaningless. Sorry, this is nothing no, to do with the actual video game. It's fine. Uh, after after a very long time of kind of, like, going back and forth and saying, oh, I don't know if we're ever going to remaster it or re-release it because the, the PC release of this game was so, like, you know, uniquely bad in some regards. Um... Square Enix uh, released their the uh, Final Fantasy VIII remaster this week, which um, I was very excited about because I still um, I still maintain that you know seven is obviously I think a much more uh, important piece of media to just the 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 the, the story of this industry. It's I a mean, touchstone, I think in terms right? Of, it's a total touchstone, and I think you know nine. Really, you know, and I know you and I are very much in agreement on this. Is like probably, probably to for my money the pinnacle of the series. But I, you know, I played eight a couple times when I was, um, you know, in high school, and liked it. But you know, I thought it had problems, and I hadn't really touched it since um, I don't know. I want to say like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and I was. I played through about 20, a little over 20 hours of the remaster. And I'm, I, I really love this game. I really, really, really think 8 is special in a way that the others are not because I think it's so um, 
unafraid to be strange and awkward and um and there are just so many choices like i don't know if you remember this i I don't know how much you've you've played steven but there are like dutch angles in this game like they will they will take like a pre-rendered scene and like put it on its head to show you a weird angle of it's it's very cinematic in a way that seven and nine weren't and it and for better or worse it takes risks that i didn't remember being so bizarre um that's in a good way that's kind of the arc of that series on playstation though right it's like seven is the one yeah. that's like ultra ambitious for its time and whatnot and they're still kind of like learning to get their feet wet uh, eight is where they get really experimental because they've you know mastered the technology to some degree they they spruce up some things here and there but then they just get very strange this is the one where you get the squall is dead theory where like there's this theory mm-hmm. that like the main character is dead for the last third of that game or something um well that no not even the last third it's really the the the, the second you know this basically for 66 percent of the game oh, you're geez, dead okay as they, i mean it's like <laughs> The game is split originally on the PS1 into four discs instead of three. Um, And by the end of the the first disc is when there's kind of a mini climax of, you know, confronting... Spoilers, by the way. um, Where you're, you know, confronting who you believe to be the villain of the the game. and, And the villain basically hurts you real bad. And the idea is that... Uh, the theory is that, you know, for the rest of the game, your character is dead because everything gets so strange after that that there's no explanation that would actually fit the narrative besides, oh, Squall is dead, which I think is very fun. I don't agree with it after playing, you know, quite a bit of it again and doing a lot of reading over the series. I mean, Cameron Kunzelman has actually written some really, really good stuff about Final Fantasy VIII, um, which I totally recommend folks tracking down. Um, but... Uh, it's just it's it, you're you're exactly right. They were basically getting their feet wet with seven, and with eight, they got so bizarrely overconfident about what they could do that mm-hmm. they just started doing shit that some of it worked and some of it really didn't. But the stuff that didn't is is bold. Um, and, and, and then and then nine to, to complete the thing nine is where they like come back and are, are like okay we've mat we've completely mastered the technology here let's let's dial it back and just focus on like the core principles of what makes Final Fantasy Final Fantasy yeah I mean nine is such a return to uh, fundamentals and it's also uh, beautifully localized and um, and constructed and I still, I still hang my hat on that being, you know, the, the one that makes my heart just feel full and happy. And it's the one I will probably keep going back to and playing every year. But but 8 really shocked me. It did have me reevaluating kind of my internal order of, you know, well, how do I order these? I mean, 8 has always been, okay, it's obviously worse than 9 and 7. And then I played played it, you know, a lot this weekend and... and came back around and said i i don't know i i think i think the junction system is has some tedium built in but the remaster actually kind of undermines some of that bad design and and allows you to basically kind of cheat your way around some of the weird tedium of that system and so if you basically eliminate that aspect of it 
um, you know, the tedium of drawing magic. I don't remember. I, I'm such a, I, I don't know what kind of RPG player you are, Steven, but I'm, I'm very much a, uh, an overleveler and a completionist. Uh, yep, the same. Like, I, am, okay. I, I play RPGs to, like, be as maximal about my builds as possible, basically. I think about it that way. I come from a background so, of Shin Megami Tensei games, which is just, Oh, like, sure, sure, math. sure. Yes. Exactly. I mean, exactly, yeah. So, the the rub with 8, you know, for those who don't know, is that, you know, you, you're not... You don't get... You don't gain abilities as you level up. You don't gain abilities from, like, weapons you equip or materia that you would assign to a character. You basically have to th- to steal magic from enemies. You basically just have to, like, reach into a, a, a Wendigo's their pocket... Ma- their magic. And, ...and pull out a cure spell. I mean, you basically just have to do that. And the, the problem with that is... In your, if you're playing the vanilla game with no boosts and things like that, what I am prone to do is sit in a battle and draw 100 spells, which is the maximum you can do, and just sit there and do it. For all three characters that are in my party, I will just sit there and draw 100 spells, which takes a very long time per character, yeah. and I will do that until I'm fucking exhausted. And listen, this is my problem. These are my brain worms. But like, like I have a little ant farm for my brain worms, and I feed them, and I'm, I I let them I let them live here rent free. I I feed them, and the and the problem. The, but but the but the really kind of beautiful thing about the remaster is that if you're disciplined, if you still want to basically play the game as it was meant to play, but also eliminate that aspect of the tedium. You can basically turn on the speed boost and the you're always ready to attack boost and basically just draw all the spells you want and then turn that shit off. And it's like it it completely took out my least favorite part of Final Fantasy VIII. So now it's just pure, oh, okay, I can go do the stuff that is actually really special. And it's teen melodrama. If you don't know, it's like, like 7 is about like, oh, it's eco-terrorism and... We're all like twenty somethings and uh, a big corpo, blah blah blah. And the nine is just kind of like a ragtag group, and and you know they all kind of have the come from these different different worlds. Eight is just like Hogwarts for weird like cops. Yeah, and, that's a good way to describe like, it. And they're but they're all sulking teens. It's like an episode of Terrace House. Okay. Um, okay. With with like a gun blade. Like okay. if you imagine if the cast of Terrace House is trying to stop a time traveling sorceress. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically Final Fantasy VIII. So I have to get together. It's fucking dope. Final like it's a good game. To see. <laughs> And so I don't know. I, I really 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 enjoy my time with it. I think its systems are difficult. I'm really curious about like if anyone coming totally new. I, that's that's the one thing I, I don't know about these remasters. Are 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 new people coming to them? Are new people actually downloading these remasters and going? Oh, I've never played a Final Fantasy before. I will say this. So they had that on the floor at PAX. Yes. And my first thought, having only played one, the best Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, My Life as a King, the WiiWare game that came out. (laughs) Honestly, okay, sure. Thank you, fucking rules. Um, I was like, 
why is this JPEG so bad? And then I was like, oh, they just did the character models and not the JPEGs. And then I was like, I don't want to look at this yeah. anymore. It's weird. And I walked away. Yeah, no, well, it's weird. So, yeah. Cause some I feel of- like if you don't have, if you don't have that, um, that nostalgia or like that cachet. It looks like it, a mess. It looks fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Like I, from a visual perspective, I'm like, I don't need to look at that. So Tim Rogers, uh, Kotaku.com mm-hmm. uh, writer and video person, uh, he basically did the kind of big review duties for Final Fantasy VIII and, and posted like 50 minutes of him playing the game and stuff. And he is a um, he's a 39 year old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there is a point that I'm making with that. I promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am a 34 year old man. And the two of us both basically had the same conclusion. We don't know each other, but he and I basically posted the same thoughts at the same time, which were, God, these backgrounds are good. <laughs> we were both like, man, these are fucking great. Oh, man. Like, these are so beautiful and, like, cool. And then I'm looking around at everyone who, like, didn't play the uh-huh. original. And they're like, what in the fuck <laughs> are, you are these backgrounds? And I'm like, okay. Like, this is just one of those things where I'm like... Yeah, I think it's just like those those nostalgia worms, and I'm just yeah. like, these still trigger the same kind of like amazing kind of awe inspired like happiness in me, and I, I really like I interact with that um, very freely, and I totally accept your point of view and many others who look at that and go, man, this is trash. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not the conclusion I came to. Yeah. But I totally get it. I actually get it. That's why I think these re-releases are so kind of strange in a way because I'm like they couldn't be doing these resources they're sucking these resources just to make me happy there's gotta be some in game beyond yeah us just like rebuying it and but I'm like is there because these are kind of impenetrable I feel like from a you know I don't know I I Steven, did you play a lot of eight? I can't. I can't remember if you played eight. I played very, very, very little eight. Uh, okay. When it was new. Okay. I also played very little seven. I didn't really get into video games like the way that I am into, like the way that a professional video game person usually is into video games as a child. I didn't get to that point until like the mid two thousands, actually, until like mid to late ps2 era um so like on i played okay. games on playstation one but it was like i played final fantasy 9 and brave fantasy masashi and crash bandicoot and that was like okay. it for that whole okay. era okay at least the games that i owned i played stuff at friends houses and etc etc but i wasn't like really well i played metal gear solid one a lot too I played that game probably like 50 times but yeah so no to answer your question not a ton of eight <laughs> i'm i am looking at um, screenshots, there's an article on Game Rant uh, that says Final Fantasy VIII Remastered Backgrounds need some love. And they... The thing about the backgrounds is I think, like, artistically they are very interesting still. Like, I think, like, this game has a cool, like, aesthetic to it of it's sort of, like... Whereas nine or 7 is just, like, weird sort of Blade Runner post-apocalypse but with magic in it. This game is, like... Final Fantasy VIII is, like, a world that looks like a world that is people live in. Um, or, is lived in, yeah. yeah. I, I did use the phrase lived in in, in my review because it, it does um, feel so artistically, inhabited. Yeah, 
Um, exactly. Like, I'm looking at these here and seeing, like, students sit, like, and nameless, just a ton of nameless NPC 3D character model students sitting around in this classroom or whatever. The problem that I'm finding with these backgrounds is that they look like they are rendered at, like, 280p, and then, like... Yeah, like, it's so jarring. It's it's just really blurry. It's just so blurry. I thought it was broken, and then I moved around, and I was like, oh, no, that's how it's supposed to be. (laughs) It looks like they were... Every single character has been photoshopped into these images. A little bit. Or some some of the characters don't even look like they got that treatment, because some of them... I'm looking at a screenshot of Squall, and I think that's Quistus, and they're standing next to a human... the man in the red shirt? Yeah, standing next to... He's, like, wearing a red vest, but he's part of the background, so there's just, like... There's a shadow man in the background. I refuse to be roasted for this. I refuse. No, so... so I, I screen cap this. I did not post it in my review, but um, but yeah, they, they there are what what the remaster did was actually reveal the different layers of this game, right? Because they decided to change one layer. So there's also a scene in um in Balam, not Balam Garden, but the 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 seaside town of Balam, which is close to Balam Garden. There's a seaside town with a hotel in it. And the hotel doors have been remastered because they open. Yeah. Right. And they're like, you know, a real interactable yeah. thing. But it is this like very flat, sharp uh, texture yeah. on this <laughs> obscenely blurry <laughs> background. And that is that's the stuff that is super noticeable. Yeah. Um, you know what it and is? So it kinda, it's it's the Scooby Doo effect. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Hanna Barbera yes, cartoon? Yeah. 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 Where where you can where you know something is going to be interactive before anything happens with it because it looks so yep. different from everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For what I mean, yeah, well, I know exactly why it is because I just have nostalgia blinders on, but it's like for for whatever reason this, this didn't it, it, I noticed it. I certainly noticed it. I'm not dumb, but like I, um, I just am still so charmed by pre-rendered PS1 background games. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's one. It's a. It's again. It's like we had that 2D renaissance yeah. of of games that came out kind of over the past like half decade, decade that seemed to seem to be developed with the idea of you know what the 32-bit era and you know, 3D polygonal stuff happened too fast. We all moved on from the 2D genre too fast. There's we so had, much excitement around it. Like, so much... There was, there was, yeah. yeah, there was much more to do with this kind of aesthetic and the space. And now, of course, you know, with games like Anodyne 2 and Risk of Rain, we're seeing the 3D, uh, like, 32-bit polygonal style kind of come back into into vogue and what i'm really hoping is another round of games that that really really take advantage of this pre-rendered background with uh character models kind of stuff like i think you can do incredible stuff with that aesthetic it's just that you know, when you're taking 20 years yeah. a 20 year old thing it doesn't um may not work as well, well it's especially for the Especially for the kids. <laughs> well, it's, what's interesting to me about that is we have actually seen remasters do this, but like, it must be just like a situation of like how they took the art at the time or whatever, or or how the art was produced in the first place. Because the uh, Resident Evil remasters, they're just 
those are uh, the, the the remasters of the remakes of Resident Evil One and oh, yeah. Zero. Yep. yep. Um, because th- those were just paintings that they that they scanned into yeah. the games and made into backgrounds, and they were like, well, we can just rescan these in HD. And they look mm-hmm. great. They look fantastic. Um, they look. They still look weird against super high, uh, like anti-aliased um, character models because it's just a totally different art style and maybe stands a little bit be- uh, more when it's more crisp. But like the backgrounds themselves don't look bad or blurry. They, you know, and I'm wondering. It seems to me that the you know you say pre-rendered and what that what that means typically is that uh, they took. 3D art of the era, and then you know, just made still images out of it. Um, which the 3D yes. back then, the 3D technology was not very good. Um, no. So the, there's probably whereas when you're working with something like Resident Evil, that's just art. That's art someone made like independent of the technology limi- limitations that they then scanned in using technology. Whereas this is a case where it's just like, yeah, if they like this is this is probably as best as they could have gotten it and they probably rubbed vaseline all over it because it was better than the alternative of having it all look like squall's face used to do um and just yeah i mean they made it give it, a good face it does it does beg a question because you see these um i don't know if you've seen them but but they you know uh, they did it for nine and they did it for a few other games but these folks will basically take the pre-rendered backgrounds and then upscale them yeah into this kind of like more of a uh, a higher density pixel background, and I do I do wonder why they didn't do this for these remasters. I mean, that does seem like a thing that you know. Um, I did say, yeah, they, there's no way that they would do all this resource sucking, like you know, without having more of an in-game in mind. But the truth is, is that they didn't do a ton. They could have done more to basically update the backgrounds and things like that, and actually make everything look a little cohesive because not only are the player models very sharp, but the the UI is extremely, yeah. extremely, extremely jarringly sharp. That's why and I that's why I don't play the phone versions of nine or the like oh, PS4 versions it looks of nine. Terrible. Yeah. 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 I hate that because like so much of the like the the the, the font for people who don't know, the font in nine, especially like nine is my point of reference here, is so like specifically designed to look like appropriate to the like tone of that game and like this kind of like whimsical medieval kind of thing but a little maybe a little bit dark like it looks like it's printed on parchment and then the hd versions of nine that they have put out in the year since all the text just looks like they just typed it up in like a notepad uh program and then just like copy pasted it over like it just looks ridiculous it's ter- and that's yep. it's literally the one thing about those remasters that i can't get over enough why and why i still keep around two not one but two physical copies of final fantasy 9 for the playstation one mm-hmm. to pop into my same. ps3 same same um but yeah i i do recommend the remaster of ff8 if only because it you know cuts out some of the bullshit that i think was uh present in the original i know that might you know uh make some purists a, a bit mad but um yeah i know there are some defenders of the junction system you know who to the death say that that's like you know the, the best system they've ever made and if you cut out the tedium of drawing i think i kind of agree but it's uh I don't know. It is, I guess, the definitive way to play it. It would just. I. It also makes me wonder: Are we just a few years away from them releasing even better remasters of this stuff? Like, I don't know. I mean, Square Enix like does that stuff all the time. So, I mean, um, if the Final Fantasy VII remake 
is successful. I mm-hmm. could see a, a universe in which they announce remasters of future Final Fantasy mm-hmm. games. My my assumption or my, my suspicion with that stuff is that like Seven is going to be such a development debacle that they're the amount of money they're pro- they're going to make gangbusters on it like in terms of just like revenue. But the development of that thing isn't it looks like now and seems like it will continue to be such a fucking nightmare mess. Like every major Western game that Square Enix puts out with Final Fantasy on the title in the past like six years. Um, you know, right. That like. They're not going to get around. If they ever do get around to that, it'll be 30 years from now because they'll they'll be ready to try it again or something. Um, but yeah, like that that's the that's the kind of the bummer about the Final Fantasy VII, the whole Final Fantasy VII thing to me is that like it seems like Square Enix just never learns from its problems from its no, issues of the past. Like the 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 text thing is something that people have complained about in every ver- HD version of Final Fantasies one two three four five whatever. For a decade now, and yet here's this eight where they're like rebuilding it from the ground up to a certain degree, you know, more so than they did with just upresing nine, and yet they're still doing that same fucking thing. The text still looks bad. Like, why do this? Why? 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 Like, why? Why was uh, Final Fantasy, you know, the development on Final Fantasy thirteen such a nightmare? Why was the final development on Final Fantasy fifteen mm-hmm. such a nightmare? Why was the development on Kingdom Hearts three such a nightmare? Why do you guys keep making these? terrible development decisions over and over and over and over again um, yeah it's it's a it's a very very strange uh, i i uh we we should definitely move on but i i will kind of in my research for for you know eight and just kind of like you know kind of framing where eight was in this uh um kind of in squares story um that run from 1997 to 2001 mm. for square mm-hmm. is bananas i bet i mean completely bananas i mean it's it's final fantasy 7 final fantasy tactics xenogears chrono cross final fantasy 8 final fantasy 9 final fantasy 10 like it's it's just brave fencer musashi don't brave fencer musashi yes parasite eve game. parasite eve also parasite, a hell of a game parasite eve very strange and cool game also um, has the exact same final villain of as final fantasy 8 that is also very true. Yeah, <laughs> Ultima VCI um, and Parasite Eve look exactly the same. <laughs> look exactly the same. It's totally true. Um, that run, I mean, I know it it, it. it represents more than just four years of work. I know that, but that's astonishing to me. Um, just the amount of quality jammed into a few development teams within this infrastructure, um, and I think that's. Uh, Something that, like, I'm not sure is ever really going to be repeated. Uh, certainly not by Square with their current practices. They they tend to, like, like you said, they tend to like to pick a project and then, you know, work on it for 15 years. Throw, and a, then, uh, throw a bunch of money and people at it until some mm-hmm. finally somebody says, we need to get this done. They bring in a fixer. <laughs> they, the fixer mm-hmm. puts the game out and the, the game is like, well, this is kind of cool, but, like, also it's a huge mess. And then it's a total mess. Yeah. And then when that game doesn't like recoup the eighty, like the eight hundred million dollars they put into it, they say, "Well, Hitman Two didn't wasn't successful enough for us to prop up our business." <laughs> yeah, of course, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Square's uh, an interesting group, but I I know you've been playing some stuff, Stephen. The only other stuff that I've been playing, real quick, uh, and Nikki, you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I've been trying to make Madden work. Mm-hmm. I really have been. Yeah. I've been trying to like. Really get into it. How's that been? Jacked up the difficulty. I'm yeah. like, you know, yeah, maybe. 
Um, I'm fumbling somewhere between seven and eight times a game. <laughs> good. Um, that's a healthy... they've got that they've got that balance. Yeah. Right. That's good. Um, because you know that's what the NFL is like. Yeah. Just fucking eight turnovers per team they, per game. They put they slather that butter on that ball, <laughs> and then they're like, "All right, go for it, Tom Brady." Oh, deflate, um, deflate gate. That's what that's about. That's the one. That's what that's about. Um, the they have still not patched out a bug. That makes all of the notification UI disappear within the last two minutes of the game. So imagine if you will this. Okay, so every time you make a tackle, every time you do something, you get a little number above your head that says this is the kind of experience you've earned. Yes. Because you're I'm playing in franchise mode, and you get a little thing that says like plus ten, plus five, whatever. Um, that goes away. Right. Okay. Is that a big deal? Not really, because it's still being counted, well, whatever. Um, the problem is, is that whatever is on that layer is also the kicking meter layer. <laughs> so the indicator that would tell you how hard and how well you've aimed your field goal kicks yes. just doesn't exist. Cool. It doesn't exist, and there's Good. no way to get it back. Great. Um, I was playing a game against the New York football Jets the other day, and... Um, they boy, that Sam Darnold, he threw some touchdowns Mom. against me, and um, and I found myself uh, down by two points um, with, with about a minute and a half remaining. That's all I gotta um, do. One time, I, I I completed a forty-two yard pass to Amari Cooper of the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. and um, he did a really good job to get in the middle of those hash marks. Straight on field goal attempt. Yeah. That's about a 49-yarder. Makeable. Easy. Wind yeah. at my back. Oh, it's easy. Um, that kick meter was not there. And I fucking shanked, <laughs> shankopotamist a kick oh, and lost to the New York football Jets, who are a bad football team. They're a bad football team. Because um, they have football in their name. There's also a bug that I saw on Twitter. Uh, where sometimes if you get an interception, your team doesn't uh, acknowledge the fact that the possession has changed. Oh, and it's just so they're following the ball. Bro- yeah, so that they just follow you yeah. and attempt to tackle you. Mm, good, yeah. good, 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 good. Um, anyway. I actually did my journalistic duty and reached out to a support agent about mm-hmm. uh, not not to complain in any in any way, shape, or form, but just to ask, hey, when is this um. When no is this? Chippable. When is this? I dare say, game-breaking bug. Actually, non chippable. Um, when is this going to be patched out? And I've, uh, what I saw, we have no uh, information about this at this time. That was two weeks ago. Um, so, so I guess that's just the thing. My question about that. So I think I edited your review of this game um, of this fine uh, NFL product, and in the review, it didn't sound like you were clear if it even was a bug at the time? Um, yeah, no, so I, yeah, I wrote, I, I think I wrote something about it, and, and yeah, I, there were people on Reddit who are convinced that it is not a bug. It is a, it is a, like, a stressor. It's like a... 
Oh, like the screen shakes when you're yeah. like doing a free, like a but, like a free throw in yeah, 2K. Yeah. So in in the uh, NBA mm-hmm. games, uh, Stephen, if you're playing an away game and you're shooting a free throw, um, the crowd will yell at you so much that your controller <laughs> shakes, and it actually makes it difficult to see the meter with which you are shooting the ball. That's kind of to... that's kind of cool. Oh, it is. Like oh, that. it's it's supposed good... to, it's supposed to basically like acknowledge the fact that most away teams have lower shooting percentages and things like this. It's just like the home field advantage. And Madden has dabbled in this. They used to do a lot more crowd noise stuff. You used to have to actually control the crowd. Otherwise, you would do you, your offensive line would do false starts and get penalties and things like that. They have stepped very far away from that. They don't really do that anymore. Just wait a couple of years. Um, yeah. Uh, no, wait a couple of years, and then you have to yell into the the, the controller yourself. Okay, you joke. To, no, Madden, Madden was at 12? Mm-hmm. The coach, you had to wear the headset, and the coach was in your ear giving you... Do you not remember this? I don't remember this. There was a mode in one of the Maddens. I think it was the one of the ones that had Brett Favre on it. Um, oh, that's before he sent a picture of his wing. Yeah, yeah, before that, before yeah. that, before that, before okay, that. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the coach was in your ear, and then you could talk back. Like three options would come up, and you could speak into the microphone okay. to pick the play. Mm-hmm. It was bad. That is bad. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, the, some people on Reddit actually believe that it's not a bug. I, I think they're very wrong. I think they're very wrong. I I, I kind of I, I read someone I read a group of people on Operation Sports, which is also a, a forum of, of people who discuss sports games. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of people said that too, and they were pretty much like roundly debunked because it it just it's so obviously connected from a game developer perspective. Mm-hmm. It's connected to this one UI layer. And, it, and it's in that UI layer is going away for some reason. And a lot of that layer has nothing to do with, like, you know, telling you that you don't have a home field advantage or anything. And also this was happening to me at home, too, at uh, my home stadium. So, yeah, it's really bad. It's bad. And it just kind of, like, they put a bunch of new modes in the game this week, but they haven't uh, patched that out. So, Huh. Okay. Anyway, Stephen, hi. You've been playing a lot of video games. Uh, that's the thing is I don't even know where to start this week because like we're we've been recording for just under yeah pick pick one or two yeah you think yeah, so pick one or two I don't pick one or two out of, yeah. out of the thirty seven games I mean there's a couple on here I've done <laughs> I don't really don't need to talk about but uh, the one I beat last night is Catherine Full Body which just came out yesterday I think yesterday is Tuesday which, which by the way. Just a solid title for a game. <laughs> yeah, They're, the the game does open up with this like fourth wall breaking like uh, thing where they talk about like what or maybe it's not the opening. So okay, so people who don't know, Catherine is like kind of a pseudo dating sim that like splits up the, your days between dating and with uh, um, block puzzles where in this kind of like horrible nightmare thing where the main character Vincent. Like- like real dating. Yeah. Just like real dating. Um, yeah, as someone who started dating again, like, in the last year, let me tell you. Yeah, I, I definitely often dreamed of transforming into a sheep man uh, and getting chased by giant chainsaw creatures uh, while I played Pushmo to try and get to the top of uh, Tower of Babel. Um, which is basically, I've just described Catherine, so you don't need me to say anything else. Um, 
yeah, so that's basically what the game is. Is it's kind of like it's kind of a dating sim where you're hanging out at a bar with your friends and like the in the original game. So this is a remake of a game that came out in I think 2011 or 2013. One of those. It was a PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 game, um, and it shows that that was a dating sim made in 2011 or 2013, or at the time it really showed because there was some not super great. Uh, gender dynamic stuff like the whole game has this kind of like subtext of like battle of the sexes kind of thing going on where the main character Vincent is um, afraid of committing to getting married to his girlfriend Catherine that's Catherine with a K Uh, and then on like the first or second day of the game he meets Catherine with a C who he starts to have an affair with Um, and he's like well do I you know am I so afraid of getting married to my current girlfriend that I've been with for five years that I dump her and leave her for this like other woman who I'm having this like very exciting relationship with or do I you know do you know commit to getting together with my girlfriend because but what really he wants is for everything to just stay the same Um, because he just wants to basically like kind of float through life and, and just be normal uh, or what his version of normal is. And he's kind of a coward and kind of a schmuck and not a great dude. Um, in Catherine Full Body, the, one of the big things that they... Well, there's a couple of different things they did. One is that they redid basically the entire script and relocalized it um, from top to bottom because there's a new third character, a third Catherine, Catherine with a Q... Uh, who they, oh my! Yeah, Ugh. that they refer to. I did, I, to Steven, I did not know. I, I did leave. not know this. Yeah. No, I did not know this. I've been very like uh, detached from the Catherine stuff. So this wait, is hold on. News where's to me? Where's the Q? It's the it's the K or the C. It's the first letter of the of the. Where's the Q? Catherine Gruen. Catherine Quinn. Well, so mm, it's. It's a huge spoiler to go too much more into the what the like the the, the name why they are called that. But everybody in the game just calls uh, them Rin throughout the game, like R I N. Anyway, and it, the the fact that they are Catherine with a Q doesn't actually even come up till very late in the game. But um, mm-hmm. and then there's like even more stuff with their name. Anyway, uh, so the big thing with, that they've done here is that they've written Rin like from the get go all the way into the story. Literally, you meet Rin before you meet uh, before Vincent meets Catherine with a C, who's like the the, the Catherine of note in the, of the of the plot, and then before I think you as the player meet Catherine with a K. It's like literally the opening cutscene. Vincent saves Rin from a stalker uh, at night, uh, and he gets uh, her a job at the uh, bar that he hangs out at um, every night between the puzzle levels. Um, he hangs out with his friends, and you can kind of like the whole game is like you're doing those puzzles between things and then you're hanging out with your friends at the bar uh, before you go on these puzzle adventures and a lot of the people that you run into in the nightmare world also begin to appear in the bars Uh, and you can, there's a lot of very persona, this is also by the people who make persona so there's a lot of very persona like elements besides just the dating sim elements where you're deciding who to spend your time with and who to text and what to text them about and stuff, Um, you're also running into like these kind of social link like setups where the characters that you meet in the dream world are appearing in the bar um, and you talk to them and learn about their lives and their issues and stuff like that and the more that you talk to them the the better their chances of surviving the nightmare world are and the longer they survive um, they'll teach you techniques on how to push blocks better and get around certain hazardous blocks and beat bosses and stuff like that so uh, they do a lot of that stuff but the but the big thing is definitely um, the big thing for me uh, going into Catherine Fullbody uh, is that 
when Catherine came out, it was like one of the first games I that I had ever heard of that talked about where people were talking about how it features a trans character, like a, an openly mm-hmm. trans character, which is Erica. Kind of Vincent's one of uh, Vincent's got like a bunch of like buddy for like buddies and best friends. Erica is kind of like one of the main ones that you hang out with at the bar. She works at the bar. Um, and in the original release, that was that not handled very well, as you might imagine. Can, especially considering like the people who made this game also made Persona Five, which doesn't handle that stuff well, and that was like two years ago. It does not handle that stuff well at all. No. No. Um, but uh, the one thing that sticks out to me immediately about this game, especially going down the Rin route, um, which I don't know how much to get into with it, like that. There is there. there I am I am re I am reading about it. Yes. There are spoilers, it's, it's, and then there are spoilers. Yeah. So if if you don't want to know anything about anything at all about uh, Catherine Fullbody. I'm going to look at the timestamp here. Why don't you just jump ahead five minutes from from now, and you should be yeah. sa- you should be safe. So, sure. Okay. In the original release of Catherine, Catherine with a K, your girlfriend or whatever, is human. In Right. But Catherine with a C, at, at the end of the game, it turns out, is like a demon. She's like literally a, a, succubus. a succubus from hell. And that is not right. available, that is not like knowledge that you are, know, that you know early on in the game. Rin, uh, the, okay, this is, we're going to get into, like, I'm just going to get, I, I put a spoiler warning up, so just a, a, yeah, a double barrier here, just, I'm going to get into major, major, major spoilers here. Uh, Rin, what you basically find out throughout the course of the game, because uh, Rin starts appearing in the nightmare world with you, whereas only, uh-huh. only men are supposed to be able to do that or whatever, and, so, but, uh, and Rin is, uh, for all, for what all the other characters know, uh, a woman, but, on about halfway through, you discover that Rin is actually a man uh, who just dresses uh, very femininely and um, is in love with Vincent. <sighs> okay. So my my original understanding of this was that Rin was actually going to be like a tr- another trans character it was going to be like a trans uh, romance option for the game or whatever. That's not the case. Like they, they actually, Rin is just a guy. Um, that and but what they go with from there is actually what like super surprised me because my understanding of the game's like earlier stuff was like really really bad. Uh, uh-huh. This route basically feels like them saying like, "Hey, I'll, we have come to a lot of new conclusions in the past like seven eight years or however long it's been because it's just like the entire Rin route is is like this just." Uh, very sometimes very sweet, sometimes very didactic, but like very, but it is it is basically Vincent discovering like oh shit like I'm in love with Rin. Uh, I don't care that Rin is a man, um, and uh, I guess I'm bisexual. Uh, hey, like everybody, and then all of his like drinking buddies who have been kind of shitty up to that point because they were written for the original version of the game that had maybe shittier politics and stuff like that, kind of just coming to the conclusion like ah fuck it whatever we support you anyway like we'll help you uh, go get Rin back and do all this other stuff because there's a bunch of super supernatural stuff going on while this is all happening too in the dream world and whatnot so actually what ends up happening despite the fact that i was like very skeptical about it ahead of time is the game goes like hard into like trying to talk about like how gender is a social construct the way i described it to a friend of mine who i was talking to the game the ending of the game about on twitter is like uh fellas if you ever discovered gender is a social contract so hard that you and you your trans best friend and your very supportive drinking buddies uh band together to kill god because that's basically what happens at the end of this game (laughs) 
is like basically you discover that like the the main villain of uh, of Catherine one Thomas Mutton is what he ends up turning out to be named or uh, Dumazid. Uh, which is his god name, his demon name, is like this guy who's like putting a curse on men across the world bec- uh, who are in c- relationships but aren't committing and won't have kids because they're not procreating enough. Uh, and like, Ooh. well, he's the so he's the bad guy. Well, of course, of course, yes. <laughs> um, and but as an extension of that, in the Rin romance route, like he also hates um, he like hates Rin and Vincent's like relationship as it starts to. Uh, be developed because they're both male and so like you have to basically fight the anthropomorphic personification of homophobia while answering a bunch of like dating game dating sim style quiz questions about like whether or not you believe gender is a social construct or or basically and like it's like shooting energy out of a door at his face and like blowing him up the blowing up this weird homophobic god um, while he's like talking to you and like talking about like I am the consort of Ishtar. Now shut the fuck up, you punks! Like it's got this like really goofy tone to the whole thing. It's weird. It's weird, but like I think very like ultimately uh, becomes pretty good. Like I think they actually kind of nail it at the end. Again, I think it's a little saccharine and a little bit uh, didactic in a lot of the different places. But the way the the where, area where they all land on is pretty good, and even the stuff with Erica, which. Uh, that you know has been largely rewritten or just excised from the script altogether. In that route, um, one of the ways that that you know things go bad with uh, in the original game with with Erica is that basically one of your other friend group who doesn't know that Erica is a trans woman uh, hooks up with Erica, and like there's this whole like very like played for laughs like ah ha ha like Erica is trans or whatever you know not using those terms back in 2013 2011 in this game. Whereas in this one. That is just kind of like accepted, and it's just kind of okay uh, at the end of at least at the end of my playthrough. And those two just wind up together. And like Toby is the is the friend in your group that in previously in Catherine in the old uh, script got really shitty and transphobic, and in this one they actually just like they're okay with it, and they're just they just kind of sidestep that whole thing. Um, it's weird. It's a weird way of doing all this stuff because they're like a lot of the te- like script, a lot of the text is just what it was. On the PlayStation 3 and on the Xbox 360, right. yeah. a lot of the camera shots are, are the same. Yeah. But then, like... That's wild. Yeah, it's... it's. But then, like, yeah, they just, like, have characters say things that they didn't say before and work Rin into the game in this weird way. And at the end of that game, Vincent... Like, at, le- at the end of the true ending that I got, uh, Vincent and Rin end up married. Like, there's literally a part where... Like, one of the mechanics of the game is that you can... Um, look at uh, text messages from, from various people throughout the game. Um, and uh, you can craft the texts uh, from, from, like, pieces. It'll be, like, first sentence, uh, you get to choose between, like, three different options. Second sentence, you get to choose between three different options and so on. And, like, literally one of the last texts that I was able to send in that game was, like, Vincent proposing marriage to <laughs> Rin, basically, or saying, like, let's go get our marriage license after we go... Uh, we're past the five minute mark. So let's go get our marriage license after we deal with the uh, the problem, the the final challenge that we had to face in this game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a strange game. I it's like I'm glad. I mean, it's, it's what's that? Sounds like they've. It sounds like they've fixed it. Kind of fixed it. Yeah, they're still working from a. They're working from a tough place, but it's it's weird to me that they've like that they do as good of a job as they do do with it. Uh, considering like how recent Persona Five is and how bad Persona Five is about a lot of that stuff, 
Mm-hmm. It's also yeah. Vincent is also voiced by Con, uh, by uh, Troy Baker. Kanye West. He's oh. voiced by Kanye West. He get, came out to come uh, work on a game for the first, uh, another game. He came back into game development actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's full body twos for the Turbo Graphics sixteen. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> I just want to say that the game Catherine the uh, is closer to ten years old than it is to five. Yeah. Just as a just wanted to let y'all know. Yeah, I mean that, you know uh, we're all old and uh, gonna die soon. Right, and so, well, did it come out in 2010? 2011. 2011. Jesus. Yeah. And the ga- I, I, I. and the Japanese version of Full Body has been out for like a year already too. So this is just the English version coming out now. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, yeah, and I will say, like, I actually kind of like, like, that was another thing I always heard about the game, is that the p- block puzzles got way too hard for their own good, um, and I agree with that, it, there are, on the route that I took, you unlock, like, a whole tenth stage of levels that you don't normally get, but I really, really enjoyed the block puzzle stuff in this game, like, that's not super, uh, crazy to say, I don't think, because, like, there's, like, literally a competitive Catherine scene out there of people who, like, yeah. race the block That's, buttons. like, all I've seen of that game mm. is the competitive stuff. Um, yeah, but, no, I, I think it works out. I, I think they did a good job with what they had and the where you see the seams are bad, but, like, there are... The, Again, we're, we're, we're out of spoiler zone here, but there's, like, little very specific lines where it's just, like, oh, they definitely had a, like, a, a trans person in the writer's room looking at this localization or looking at this script or whatever because yeah. there are, like, such very specific lines that about, like, little wrinkles that happen, like, in relationships sometimes that, like, I have not, never seen except in relationships with, like, other trans people. Um, it's just... It's weird to see them um, represented in a, a fairly big budget video game. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, Catherine full body for the most part. Sweet. Yeah. Video. You video sound games. so excited about it. So I'm glad I was able you, to. Uh, no, I'm. I've received a terrible electronic mail. You've received a what? Sorry. For business, oh. I've received a terrible electronic mail for business. You did? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? I have to do things that I don't want to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> is, is this have to do with the other half of your job? Yes, it does. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, Stephen, do you want to talk about control like really, really fast? Yeah, I talked about it last or, week or, by or, myself. Or, or no, do you want to talk about Astral Chain? Oh, I can. I haven't played very much of it. I've only played through like the first level and dinked around the hub world thing, the hub building that you get to. But yeah, uh, I can talk about Astral Chain uh, yeah, real quick. I, I, don't, I, I know basically nothing about it except you're a uh, Bayonetta cop. Yeah? Basically. Yes and no? <laughs> um, Bayo cop. So yeah, it's this is a new uh, game for the Nintendo Switch, a Nintendo Switch exclusive that is uh, last time I checked getting review bombed because people are very mad that it's a Nintendo exclusive and not on their Playstations and their Xboxes. I guess it's so bizarre, it's so yeah. strange. Literally, so it's a Platinum Games game. Makers of Bayonetta, uh, they worked on specifically this director uh, who directed this game was uh, the gameplay designer for I think the gameplay designer for Nier Automata. Hmm. Um, and it shows, like, you could definitely, like... Nier Automata already had things that are in it, like that, like, perfect dodge witch time thing from Bayonetta. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That carries over here into Astral Chain as well, where if you execute a perfect dodge, time slows down temporarily. 
Um, so it's like it feels really good and meaty when you do that. Uh, you are, yeah, you're a cop. You're a male cop or a female cop. You get to choose at the beginning. You're like one of two twins. The uh, I forget what their last name is, but that you you pick their name. It's so weird because you customize your character and you pick their name, um, and you like pick what they look like and you pick their gender. And but whichever one you don't pick is your is your brother or your sister in the game and has spoken lines. So like. I picked the lady cop and my brother, my twin brother, who the game like seems to make like a follow three style, like approximation of like what your brother would look like based on what your um, choices were. He gets to talk and stuff, even though he's like a customized character too, like a semi-random customized character. But my character that I made doesn't get to talk. But if I had chosen the other character, then my lady would still be there and she would be talking and have dialogue and lines. It's so, it's a weird system for that. Um, so, but yeah, you're a silent protagonist otherwise in this, like, future world, 2050s, 2060s, something like that, where most of humankind has been wiped out by, uh, the, some kind of infection, like, but from this extra-dimensional invasion by, I forget what they're called, the Chimera, I think? Um, mm. they're like these invisible that, monsters. That's a bunch of words. Yeah, no, so it's it's exactly one of those kinds of, like, Japanese uh, action game style of writing of, like, that's a bunch of words. It's like, yep. you, the, your bad guys are called the Chimera. You're, you have these, like, pet, you have, like, these kind of Pokemon that you can capture and use called Legion that you summon with this, like, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh deck uh, wrist strap thing called the Legatus. Uh, and you you uh, keep hold over your legion with your astral chain. And that's why the game mm-hmm. you might you might have noticed gets its name. Oh, is that why? Oh. And um, yeah, that's what I call that's what I call my wallet chain. <laughs> I had my a wallet chain, chain for a while. I did. Me too. <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> John says as he slowly tucks a chain back into his pocket right now. <laughs> I can't believe you guys. But yeah, so like I've only played really the first like couple of levels uh, before they like kind of the tutorial stuff where it's it, it it's very stylish. It's got like a kind of a pseudo cell shaded look to it. Um, the game opens up as like a kind of rail shooter um, with you're on a motorcycle going through a tunnel fighting like bandits that are like in like vans and stuff and it's like it's like playing lucky and wild like you're just like controlling your gun and kind of like moving left and right um at first and then your motorcycle inevitably explodes and then suddenly it's a 3d action (laughs) game um and you're in bayonetta or near or whatever um and then they like pepper on another layer because you eventually get um, your legion, you get the legatus or whatever, you get tied to this monster that's like, basically, they've found a way to to chain some of the monsters down, the chimera down, and make them into your friends, but you can only use them for cert- like for up to, like, a minute at a time, and then you have to recall them. But when they're out, they will fight for you. They will just fight automatically uh, while you are doing your bayonetta stuff, but you can control where they stand, or draw them to you, or launch them at enemies, even in the air and stuff. Um... But you don't have any direct control over, like, their actual combos and things. The one thing you can control is because you can... Because you're always tethered to them and you can control their location on the ground, the tether... The the chain between the two of you is, like, a physical object in the world. And so you can, like, manually control your monster to run a circle around the bad guy and then tie them up AT-AT style with, like, like snow speeder style. Yes, good. With your chain. Yes, good. 
and then they're, they're, that stuns them for, like, you know, 15 seconds or whatever. And there's, like, positional damage. So while they're stunned, you can get up behind them and att- attack them from the back. And it does, like, double damage because you're doing that. Or the, the cooler, uh, I think, so far, the cooler use of the chain that I've seen so far is that some enemies will do charge attacks. But, like, where they, like, rush forward like a bull. Uh, and very similar to, like, a Final Fantasy fourteen actually, th- those have, like markers on the ground that show where they're about to charge from and where you don't want to be standing but what you can also do is besides just dodging out of the way ahead of time you can tell your monster to stand on the other side and then the enemy will run into it and like irish whip themselves into your astral chain and then like fling backwards and then smash into a wall and get stunned and then you can rush up on them and beat them up that rules it's pretty cool yeah yeah you rubber band these these guys around it's uh it's so far that's like basically all i've seen of that system uh and but otherwise it feels good like it feels like near automata style gameplay not it's definitely not so far as tight or frenetic as bayonetta uh but you know maybe i've just played the first level so maybe i'll get there and the story seems somewhere between legend of korra and and uh, near did you play that Legend of Korra game? I did not. Yeah. Was that? Well, it was mm. bad though, right? It was. See, because I would say this is better than Near. I would say this is between oh. Near and a band. Oh. Uh, Near has has perfectly fine and good combat. The thing about Near is that Near never gives you any enemies or encounters that are worth a damn. That make like that are oh. any interesting fights. Yeah. Whereas this, I guess that's right. true. Uh, whereas this game like gives you these things where it's like, oh yeah, this boss will try to charge you, and then you rubber band him back into a wall, and or you know these enemies are swarming you from all directions, so you like tell the, your monster to go stand over there and fight the flying one because you your gun doesn't do very much damage, so you want to focus your 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 legion on flying guys, or if like there's just too many of them and you're getting swarmed, you can crowd control them with your snow speeder uh, chain, and yeah, so a lot of interesting stuff like that so far. But again, the story, the world, the characters just seem like fucking nonsense so far. And I kind of like it, but I don't know how much I like it just because it, like, visually and um, somewhat plot-wise reminds me a lot of Genlock, that Rooster Teeth Mm. cartoon that came out a little while ago. Oh my. This is really, it's like a really good show, the one with, like, Michael B. Jordan and David Tennant and Maisie Williams and stuff. Uh, if anybody's seen that, it, it looks a lot like that. And even like the, the scientist guy who developed the astral chain or whatever, just looks like David Tennant's character in Genlock. That's wild. <laughs> it's super, it's super weird. Um, but yeah, so far I, Everyone I like should go watch Genlock. Genlock is fun. Genlock is fun. I'm hoping they do another season here. I have no idea how, if they're going to be able to afford it or not though. Cause holy shit, that must've been an expensive show. They've got AT&T money now. Do they? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. I want to. I, I do, do want a new season. That, that that first season ends with that with all that stuff about finding the other chases. Mm. Mm-hmm. I gotta know. I gotta know about the other chases. There's more of them. There's more. Yeah. Can you talk about news for two seconds? That's not about news for two seconds. Absolutely not. They're putting Overwatch on the Switch. Sony bought Insomniac. Did we already talk about that? Nope. We kind of talked about that only. Sony owns lunch, Insomniac I now. I can't they believe didn't that. Before. I can't believe they didn't. Um. Oh, and then video games are bad. Oh, is the last video one. games are bad. Oh yeah, is the last one. Out, we huh? can't touch that one because uh, it's too much, <laughs> and we only have it's <laughs> we only have like five five minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's real bad out there. Yeah, last week was a week. Uh, it was a it lot was of a week. terrible stuff that happened in the video game industry. Now, 
it was less that terrible stuff. It was actually last week was probably a net positive. I had seen this this sentiment go out because it wasn't like that stuff happened all last week. Like specifically that there were allegations of like a sexual assault and abuse and stuff in the games industry, from like going down from indies people, uh, like Alex Holoqua, I think was the name, uh, to the composer on Skyrim, whose name I didn't even bother to remember, um, and. Yeah, uh, a lot of people came forward with their specific stories about, like, you know, mistreatment and abuse and, and such like that in the games industry. And I saw people out there pointing out that basically, like, if if people weren't out there last week talking about that stuff, it would have just continued to happen. You just wouldn't have heard about it. And that would be right. worse. Right? I, I will say this, and this is this is probably too big to get into, and I'm, I'm going to kind of take a knee and say some stuff that, like, I think it's kind of difficult to admit in some ways, but, like... I watched a documentary yesterday on Hulu uh, about the Harvey Weinstein Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. case, and it reminded me that while it was a quote unquote poorly kept secret in the entertainment industry, um, the way that the story broke was yes, of course the testimony and like on the record statements of some of his victims but also major journalism outlets basically doing the due diligence gathering the information and releasing a credible report that was almost impossible for the police to ignore mm-hmm. that's basically what happened right because cops are bad um well cops are bad yeah yeah, yeah. Cop- changing stories don't now. don't get it don't get it twisted cops are bad but, but, you know, journalism's role in this, um, with Ronan Farrow and some other ones uh, in, at different New York publications, like the Times and the New Yorker, they really did do the work. They put in a lot of work to get on the record statements that had not been gotten before. Mm-hmm. The thing that I would say and challenge us to do, and for me just saying right here, right now, as someone who more or less knew about Alec Holoka ahead of time, but couldn't talk about it. Um, I I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, I agree with your sentiment that like you know we did talk about it so that it's it's good that it's out there. Um, but it took the unshielded, unprotected bravery of a few people to come out and make a statement and they were fucking they're still being lambasted completely mm-hmm. for coming out against Alec especially after he took his own life because of the allegations and it all coming out against him uh, Pres- which is yeah. par- partially and presumably awful. I don't know that I don't know personally enough about that specific No but but that's 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 how that's tracking I guess I should say responsibly that's how what, what I should say um but but basically, that that was all on them. That was all on those, um, those people to come out and make those statements and put them, put themselves completely out there. And journalism's role in this was basically to sit back and report on it as it was happening and not be part of the story. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about that. As someone that's. A new, relatively new to this, who does not in any way want to put people in harm's way, mm-hmm. 
but also feels a deep obligation to use a platform in a way that actually causes real change in the industry. I mean, we've seen we've seen reporting on labor do I think very good things. I mean, for for whatever for whatever qualms I've had against Jason Schreier and some of the Gamergate stuff and, and his coverage of that at the time, his reporting on the labor stuff and others have, have genuinely I think made a difference. Mm-hmm. And I mean, crunch was a thing that was known about for years and years and years, and nobody took it very seriously. It was just it was more of a joke that you took made on an E3 stage sometimes. And it wasn't until people started reporting on it as an issue and as a serious thing that I, I that it emboldened people to actually organize and try to do things. And and yeah. also and I also when I say that I also don't want to take away from like the the EA spouses, the Rockstar spouses, like the things like the the concerted efforts done by the people who were like directly affected or whose families were directly affected by these these sorts of things, which were then picked up by the by the press. You know, um, of course. But but I guess you know, again, there's. There's a, there's a feeling I've had, and I, I have been really thinking about it for the past day, about these poorly kept secrets, and there are many of them in the industry. In every industry, I would guess. Where, what is the role? I mean, is, is it journalism's responsibility to break something regardless of what it could do in the hopes that what it will do is better than not saying anything. And I don't think we're going to get an answer in this conversation. This is just something that I'm, I'm waiting for people much smarter and with much more important lived experience than me as a cis white dude to actually say, I think this is the role of the media in journalism. And I think this is kind of a sea change that needs to be made. And I would love to be a pioneer in that, but I'm also very admittedly terrified of putting someone in harm's way right and that's something that i've thought about a lot over the past week and it's um it's something we still don't have an answer to and it doesn't make the events of last week any easier to deal with but um that's just something that i've thought about i mean when you when you talk about like things that you are not allowed to talk about a lot of the a lot of the time the reason that you are not allowed to talk about it or or you can't talk about it is maybe a better way to phrase it is because you like a lot of the people involved will specifically tell you please do not talk about this don't yeah don't talk about it because it will put me in harm's way it will put you in harm's way and i think at the end of the day like at least as a stopgap measure for the time being it's just like the 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 important part here the focus of this should always be the safety of the victims and like the you know and them and like sometimes that means you know, you have to feel bad about yourself, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or feel bad about other things that are not being discussed, or or that other people are saying, or whatever. Um, but if it means protecting the people who need to be protected, or if you're just not sure, it, even if right. even if they don't come to you and specifically say that that like you know, don't don't if you're not sure if it's going to harm somebody who you think is a victim or could be a victim of this, like don't act on that without at least speaking to them first which you know that's even a tough thing too because it's like know. you know are you how do you know that you are in a position where you are like you, you bringing it up to them wouldn't even make it worse for them because you don't want to make them you know right. maybe they're trying to you know not deal with that right now and yeah, yeah of course it's it's yes you're right that this is it, not it, the place to is... find the answers right now no but... no I, I think it's i think it's incredibly complicated and i think 
again, I mean, I would I would love for more platforms to use their considerable reach to change this conversation to where we're being so much more proactive about this than reactive. And, but and in a, again, to to your point, it it's very difficult. I mean, you really, really, really want to protect everyone involved. Yeah. And in a in a better world, uh, this drives back to cops are bad. Uh, in a better world, mm-hmm. the, the people involved, the victims of this, would be able to come forward with their stuff towards like a proper system of authorities or right. or like right. protective services or something like that that right. that would help them instead of ignoring them or in some cases making it worse. And yeah, and that's just usually not in, the case. In, institutionally, we're just in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, this this week has been. Um, more difficult than I, I think. Um, I don't know. I was talking to someone about it. I mean, it, it really is reminding us in some ways about the uh, the beginning of GamerGate uh, five years ago. Just kind of the same, just cloud over a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but at the same time, you know, again, I think to your point, there are um, some positives that can come out of this kind of moment. But it's certainly is not a um, has not been a fun week. It's not been fun. It's not the optimal way for any of this to go down one way or the no, other. Like, it's not. You know. Uh but yeah, no. So definitely wanted to bring that up though and and kind of just like Yeah, it seems it feels like an elephant in the room. I yeah. mean we we've been talking on podcasts and shows and on the on the site for a week and, and it you know I haven't really known how to talk about it, but I saw it in your notes and I was like, Okay, let's just let's try. But um it's tough. Yeah. Uh, and other than that, um, yeah, Nikki, you hit the you hit the pretty basic stuff for the news this week. Um, yep. Uh, somehow Sony well, didn't already own Insomniac. Yeah. Well, I just want to let's start. Let's let's end on a high note. Um, yesterday, professional wrestler. Oh my God. Uh, Chris yes! Jericho. So that was that. I when I was writing the show notes today, I was like, I know I'm forgetting something <laughs> Im- super important. I I know that there's something um, major that needs to go on this list. <laughs> And yet, I couldn't remember it. Thank you so much, John, for uh, for bringing up. Yeah. No, no problem. The most no important problem. story of this uh, week, certainly not last week. The, the most important story of this week that genuinely changed my mood from bad <laughs> to good yesterday uh, was uh, all your all elite wrestling, a startup promotion uh, created by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Jacksonville Jaguars owner Tony Khan. Uh, what a what a motley crew that is! Mm-hmm. Uh, they had their second major pay per view event this past uh, Saturday called All Out, and uh, wrestling legend, forty eight year old Chris Jericho of WWE and WCW fame, uh, won the first ever AEW title against Hangman Page, and um, uh, had the best post. Had a match. exquisite post-match promo where he complained about the charcuterie plate that was God, placed so out for him. And he this, called that dude a big idiot. I died. Is this this is real, Stephen? It's a bit of the bubbly. And, and I link. Yes, is this is a bit of the bubbly. Yes. Okay. So yes, this is the only clip from. of this I've seen is this this man looking at like a uh, like a table like a catered table behind him with a microphone in one hand, no shirt on, of course, turning to the camera mm-hmm. and saying, "Ooh, a bit of the bubbly." <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty good impression, too. Um, Yeah, for those who don't know what Chris Jericho sounds like, he sounds like maybe a... Um, an over-caffeinated strip club DJ <laughs> to me. Just kind of like, ah, yeah, oh yeah, ah, ah, you know, just kind of this, uh, 
not quite raspy, but it's it's very it's good. Um, and yeah, he said a little bit of the bubbly, and um, that's been a good sound bite. Anyway, uh, he flew into Tallahassee, Florida, on Monday uh, afternoon, and the first thing he did was he he rented a limousine and had it take him to the Longhorn Steakhouse in Tallahassee. Once he once he pulled up to the Longhorn Steakhouse, realized he had gotten the wrong luggage. And told the limo driver, hey, I'm going to go inside to this Longhorn Steakhouse and eat some steak. And you're going to go back to the airport, get the right luggage. And I'm going to leave my AEW title belt in the car. And the limo driver was like, sure. And then the limo driver came back with the right luggage, but no title belt. And so there was a police report filed. And Chris Jericho had his belt stolen at some point between the Longhorn Steakhouse and the airport. Which and is incredible. found it. The cops found it. Yeah, so this is the update. This is a, a critical, critical update. The cops found it, took a picture of them with the belt. And then, Stephen, I don't know if you've seen this, immediately deleted the tweet and said, this case is still open and the belt has not been found. What? Yeah. Like, they clearly had a conversation about not publicizing the fact that they had found it so they could write it into... 1,000%. Fucking just blew the work Wrestling Wrestling Twitter yesterday, once we found out this was real, we were like, wrestling's back, baby. (laughs) Like, this is it. Like, AEW starting their their rival uh, WWE show, Rival 2 WWE on TNT, just like the old days, yeah. USA versus TNT. Monday Night Wars. The Wednesday Night... It's it's now going to be the Wednesday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. It's NXT against AEW on Wednesday nights. I'm so fucking psyched about it. But 1,000%, Chris Jericho went to... Tony Khan yeah. went to the Tallahassee police and mm-hmm. said... I will buy y'all a bunch of tactical military gear that you can go out and like kill kids with <laughs> if you, you with if you fucking bury that yeah. y'all found this belt yeah. because um, it's okay. it could not be a more perfect beginning yeah. to their television show with a witch hunt orchestrated by forty eight year old goth hockey dad Chris Jericho. To find his belt. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm just like picture you remember so this is this is just gonna date the era of wrestling that I uh, I got into and I'd probably remember the most when I was like watching it as as like frequently. Which is yeah. uh, what's his name? He's not with WWE anymore, or I have I have not heard anything about him in a long time. He had that gimmick where he was the Miz's stunt double. Um Oh, uh um uh oh my god. Oh my god. Sandow? Damien Sandow? Yeah, Damien Sandow. Jesus, thank you. I, I'm just remembering yeah. the entire like in my head this entire thing has just been shot like the the the, the Mind Palace movie that I'm having right now of Chris Jericho <laughs> losing this belt is exactly like um Damien Sandow with the money in the bank suitcase carrying it around like docks and by the bay and like oh, yeah. and like throwing it having it thrown into the water and having to like jump in and swim after it or whatever yes. the fuck he did or whatever yes like yeah. that's the future of AEW and also this is it. one of the best things that the WWE had done up to that point uh, that John Cena yeah. decided to come and shit on all over because it's what he and does shit on it yeah yeah um no it's it's incredible and 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 they absolutely buried the story so they can keep it alive and say oh no we we thought we found it but instead you know <laughs> It was a replica um, AEW uh, belt. 
fucking fucking John Moxley, WWE's ex Dean Ambrose, has stolen the belt or something. Like uh-huh. I just know that this is this is how they're they're gonna end up with it. Oh. And it's um, I didn't even think about it that yeah. way that they were gonna try and spin oh, yeah. this to be like like fucking Vince is like put it under glass. Well, no, no, no. So, so Moxley left WWE, and he's like now in AEW, but he's like injured. So, but he's still like the same like ruffian dude. Okay. And he's like, yeah, I, I just, I just totally suspect that like another wrestler has quote unquote stolen the belt, okay. and you know, will will hold it for ransom until AEW's next pay per view or whatever. That's... So, it's it's just incredible. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Um, that seems like a but, that uh, seems like a quality uh, organization. Yeah. I can't hear. Um I don't have Okay, to cool. Say. No, it's it's the best. We we should definitely watch AEW when it when it comes on uh, on October 2nd. Now, what if we um, did a, what if we did an AEW podcast? What if we did a wrestling podcast? That's a bet. I think I, I I listen, listen. I I'm not saying we should commit to that, but I am saying I am meeting with LB tomorrow to talk about maybe doing something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> um uh, so I don't know if they convince me that this is a, a good idea that we can keep up with, then it, it might be something we do. Man, uh, um, but I'm I'm so excited about AEW though. I think it's going to be cool. Yep. We are running so late, and we need to go right. eat lunch. I think. Uh, but you, this has been an episode of the Fan with Podcast. Thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh, John, where can people find you? Oh, at Floppy Adult on Twitter. Nikki, uh, please, please go. Oh, there. cool. Nikki, where can people find you? Oh, Nikki can't hear me. Nikki, Nikki, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at uh, at Godzilla. That's me, G O D S E W A. I forgot how to fucking spell my own Twitter handle. Yeah, and where can we find you, Steven? You can find me at at Steven Strom, S T E V E N S T R O M, and you can also follow at Fanbyte Media on Twitter, where I tweeted a bunch of dumb bullshit the uh, last week. Uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, normally, it's Nikki that you can find on there. John, since you are the... Oh, uh, podcast at... Uh, is it podcast or podcasts? I forget. Podcast, I think. Uh, at fanbyte.com for any listener mail. Oh, yes. I, f- yes. I forget every listener goddamn mail. week to tell people that they can send us mail. But, uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, send us mail. Podcast at fan, uh, uh, fanbyte.com. Uh, yeah. John, since you are the guest, do you want to... Uh, do you know how we send ourselves out on this show? We send ourselves out by sincerely telling the audience, thanks for the knowledge. Thank you for the knowledge, John and Nikki. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Perfect. That sounded great. I didn't need to do that. No, I was gonna. I was almost. I didn't need said, to do that. I didn't need to do it. Nikki I, and I both did it. I almost said, <laughs> "Remember, both of you don't need to clap." And then I thought, "No, think no, there's no. I would be insulting their intelligence if I said that right now." But no. I wish this was on camera because what happened exactly? What happened is I looked up at the time dot is and realized we were. I was only four seconds away, and I went, "Well, what am I doing?" And I looked at Nikki, and he's got his hands in anticipation, staring at the screen, and just reflexively, I just go, "Got." Okay. <laughs>
like a fucking like a monkey uh-huh. with symbols that you wind up. I'm just like, okay, I have to. Yeah. Oh my wow, goodness. So good. Um, 